go to the book of Matthew, chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, and we're going to look at two um, verses, verses 13 and 14. Very straightforward teaching. You'll recognize uh, that chapter 5, 6, and 7, especially if you have a red letter Bible, that this was the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus has preached about the need for salvation. He began with the Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit, for there's the kingdom of God, until we can be, see ourselves as spiritually poor, that spiritually we're bankrupt, we'll not see our need of a savior. He talked about the blessedness of those that mourn over and mourn in this world for they should be comforted and it's when we can come to a place where we can mourn as taught this morning in the Sunday school to abhor our sin that we can mourn over our lives. Will we ever turn to one that can cure that problem and give us peace and comfort? It's only those who uh, follow and, and see these beatitudes as something that God must do in our lives. He points out in verse 20 of chapter 5 that we uh, won't have a home in heaven by doing religious activity. He said, for I say unto you, in verse 20, that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of scribes and Pharisees, you shall no case enter the kingdom of heaven. And there wasn't more of a righteous group of guys uh, than the Pharisees. But they were, their righteousness was on the outward, outward. And, and the Lord said, there's got to be something more than that. In fact, if you look there in chapter 5 and verse 48, you'll see that it has to be perfect. He says, be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. And th that stands to reason that that's going to take the hand of God to do something in our lives to make us perfect. He comes down to chapter 7, and what he begins to do is uh, kind of draw the net. He's given an invitation and he's using some examples, trying to pound home the necessity for salvation. He says here about the broad way and the narrow way. He's going to talk later on about the guy who built his house upon the sand and one that built on the rock. And he's going to, again, try to bring this all together, try to get people to a place to make a decision to, to see where they're at. In fact, he warns uh, there that uh, we can't, just because we say, Lord, Lord, and we've done this and we've done that doesn't make us citizens of heaven. And so throughout the Bible, uh, particularly in the Gospels, uh, God 
constantly gives contrast so we can understand and see and, and examine our own lives to see where we're at spiritually. He contrasts walking in the light to walking in the darkness. He contrasts, as we said, the building of a house which represents our lives upon the sand or upon the solid rock. He talks about the tares and the wheat and how tares, when they first sprout up, or is a plant that looks very much like a wheat plant, but as it goes on in time, it's very evident that the tare is nothing but a weed and destructive, and it's not a weed at all. He, he contrasts uh, goats and sheep. Uh, he contrasts as far as lost and saved. He uses the contrast of the Pharisee and the Republican. And here we have the contrast of the narrow way and the broad way. In this passage that we've read in verses 13 and 14, there's two gates. There's uh, one that's wide, and you might imagine this morning like the back doors are open and a lot of people can go through there at once and it's uh, very wide and open but there's one that's straight he says and and you need to look at that word straight it's not s-t-r-a-i-g-h-t like straight as an arrow but it's s-t-r-a-i-t which means it's very restrictive like like the Strait of Gibraltar that that is rocks and mountains on both sides and ships that f go through there they go through a very narrow space and so he's talking about narrowness and and how that it's uh, very restricted uh, <coughs> there's a broad way and a narrow way uh, there's two groups of people some on the broad way many on the broad way and few on the narrow way there's two destinations that he mentions here uh, one that ends in destruction he says that that leadeth to destruction and then he says, there's one that leadeth unto life. And so those two contrasts are made. Uh, we find, as I've said before, uh, many contrasts. But I want to consider uh, this passage this morning with the hope that not a single person who's of the age of accountability leave here today not knowing uh, that there's danger on the broad way and there's life on the narrow way. And so let's pray and then we'll get into this. Lord, I pray that you might uh, calm my mind and heart and that you would calm my thinking and that you would, as you've many times in the past, uh, just guided me along the way and helped me to understand what to say in, in moments like these. Lord, I pray that my personality and my individuality might not distract uh, from the message but, Lord, that you might use me as a tool today to deliver your message. In Jesus' name, amen. And so let's imagine today that the back doors are open. It represents the broad gate, the wide gate that it can enter into the broad way. And then the door up here on the stage 
as the narrow restricted gate that leads into life. I think it's important when we begin to understand that when he's talking about the broad way and the narrow way, he's not talking about us standing in a place of a why and we're trying to make a decision which way to go. We enter into this world in the broad way. It's not that there's no place of neutrality. There's no place where we're going to just make a decision whether to go the broad way or the narrow way. We're all, this morning, we're either in the narrow way or we're in the broad way. And we're born into the broad way. The psalmist made that very plain when he said, the wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they be born, speaking lies. It's interesting that word where he says they go astray as soon as they be born. It means wandering about. The word, they've gone astray. They're wandering about. It's kind of like, you know, stray sheep out on the mountains. They're just wandering about, just wandering around in life. In fact, many of this world, they're wandering around in such an extent that, that they don't know where they came from and they don't know where they're going. In fact, that's become pretty much the, our society and our world, especially with the teaching of evolution being accepted in so many uh, countries and many people's lives. They don't know where they came from and they don't know where they're going to end up. And sometimes wondering, what is the purpose of life in this broad way? Why, why am I here? Why, what is the real meaning of life? It seems sometimes that all we uh, do in life is to repeat a cycle over and over again. I have grandparents, and my grandparents marry, and they have children, and those children marry, and they become parents, and our grandparents die, and we grow older, and we marry, and we have children and we bury our parents and have children and race toward the time when our children will uh, bury us. Just a cycle in the broad way. Back in the 1950s and 60s, and I know that you, it's hard for you to think back that far, but there, was, but there was a singer by the name of Peggy Lee, and she sang this song that was entitled, Is That All There Is? And the main line in the song said this over and over. Is that all there is? Is, all, is that all there is? If that's all there is, my friend, then let's keep dancing. Let's break out the booze and have a ball. Is that all there is? What is it for you in this life? Is that all? What is it? Have you found that place of, uh, you know, go for the gusto? Have you found that place where you found it? This is it. You know, Eureka, I found it. This is it. Well, on the broad way, it doesn't seem like that takes place at all. When you look in the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon is trying to find a purpose and meaning in life and and he challenges himself to find a purpose and meaning in life. And, and he goes about doing many things. He, he builds a big buildings. He, he does great works for Israel. 
But he said, in the end, it's like it's vanity. It's like a warm breath on a cold day. And he said, all this stuff that I've gathered around, I'm going to die and leave it to somebody else. And quite possibly, they're just going to waste it away. He talked about many different things, and he said he, he kept his heart back from nothing. He, he tried to, he wanted to see new things and learn new things and do new things, and he wanted to somehow find a real meaning and purpose in life in doing that as he spoke as a man on the horizontal plane. And finally, when he comes to the end of it in Ecclesiastes, he's going to say, what is the conclusion of this whole matter of living life? And he says, fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. That he found that life was life and meaning was found in that. And listen to what he said. Uh, he, he said quite, quite similar to Peggy Lee's music. He said, one generation passeth away, and another generation cometh, but the earth abideth forever. The sun also riseth, and the sun goeth down, and hasteth to his place where he arose. The wind goeth toward the south and turneth about to the north. It whirleth about continually. The wind returneth again according to its circuits. And so everything's cyclic. All the rivers run into the sea, yet the sea is not full. Until the place from whence the rivers come, thither they return again. All things are full of labor. Man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. The things that have been is that which shall be. And that which was done is that which will shall be done. And there is no thing, new thing under the sun. Is there anything whereof it may be said, see, this is new. It has been already of old time, which was before us. He's not talking about creating cars or different things. But he's talking about what's here on earth is what's here on earth. There's no remembrance of former things. Neither shall be any remembrance of the things that were to come with those that shall come after. The preacher of Jerusalem was king over Israel. And so it, when, he, when he finishes all that, he comes to this conclusion that life is like a warm breath on a cold day. It's vanity. It's here and it's gone. So on this broad way, we've entered into by birth, this wide gate. One day as we travel along, throughout the broad way, there's going to come a time when we come to a, a, a narrow gate. We're going to come by a very restricted gate, a narrow gate, a straight gate is the Bible term, and we're going to be confronted with that. The gate, we must understand, is a representative of Jesus Christ. Jesus himself said that I am the door by me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pastor to get into the way, <coughs> to find pastor. And to get in to the way of life, we must go through he who is life. We must go through Jesus Christ. And, and he is going to be uh, the only way. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. There's no other interest. There's no other way to get into the way of life and out of the broad way than through Jesus Christ. Now, what I want you to understand is as, as we've been born into this broad way and, 
and we're going astray, we're wandering through life, we're mucking through life, going and coming and experiencing things and shooting for some kind of joy and peace and purpose in life, that there will be the call of God upon your life to come to the narrow way. You here, no, no matter whether you're, you know, seven or eight or, or 78, understand this, that sometime in your life, God is going to come along and he's going to speak to your heart concerning your condition of your heart, concerning the way that you're on. God calls men to himself. He calls all men to himself. He says, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to me. And I can't help but think this morning, there might be some here that God has been drawing, that there's a, a little, a little uh, conviction in my heart, there's a little uneasiness in my life about the need to consider what he has to say about the, the narrow way, the, the way of life, the way that leads to life and life more abundantly. He said, not only if I be lifted up, <coughs> I'll draw all men unto me, but he also said, for therefore we labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially those that believe. And so God wants to save everyone on the broad way. Everyone that enters into this life, God has a has a salvation offered to them. He wants you to come and experience life. He that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son hath not life. It's only in existence. As the read this morning, and the times of this, then God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. And as we studied in Sunday school, the very first message that Jesus first command that Jesus gave when he began his public ministry was repent and believe. And so this morning, when you go through life, different stages of life, different times, whether you were raised in church or people were raised out of church, where, where you, where, whatever nationality, it doesn't matter, but God draws men to himself. He brings them on this on this journey of going astray and wandering in the broad way, he's going to bring them by a, a, a door, a spiritual door, and, and it's got and it's a door of life. And people are going to stop and they're going to ponder and they're going to wonder and they're going to weigh the differences. You know, is this really restricted, narrow way? Is it worth me giving up all this broad way out here? There's going to be a time of making a decision. And so let's note, uh, let's note the broad way and the narrow way. First, the broad way. That word broad means it's spacious. It's wide open. It's full of many people. On the broad way, the way you travel in life, what you do is your own personal business. Doesn't matter. Doesn't, it's nobody else's business. When I'm on the Broadway, when I'm in uh, coming to this world, listen. I don't care what you think. I'm going to do what I do, and, and and it's very broad. On the Broadway, my ideas is just are just as valid as your ideas. Don't be telling me I got to conform to you. This is the Broadway. I, I can do what I want to. 
free thinking is involved in the Broadway. On the Broadway, there's, many, there's much room for all religious ideas. After all, the philosophy of the Broadway is we're all trying to go to the same place. Well, we may travel different roads, but we're going the same way. On the broad road, on the Broadway, I am the master of my own destiny. I make decisions for myself. I, I, I'm going to do what I think needs to be done, and, and I don't care what other people think. On the Broadway, your lifestyle and your choices of life are many. You can choose from a lot of different styles of living and believing. In fact, no one's really crowding you. You know, if you want to believe that way, go ahead and believe that way. It's your life. Do what you want to do. No one's really crowding you on the Broadway. On the Broadway, your choices are for you and you alone. There's room for all ideas. The Broadway is open to open-mindedness. There are no narrow-minded thinking people <clears throat> that can say that they're right and you're wrong. And what is truth for you is truth for you. But what is truth for me is truth for me. And you can do you live like you want to live? Uh, that's the that's the Broadway. That's what that's what's natural in the Broadway. There's so much freedom <laughs> in the Broadway. The Broadway, in the Broadway, you're the king of your castle. And the majority travel this way. After all, if, if the majority are traveling this way, how can they all be wrong? How can they all be wrong? The Broadway. is the way of a lie. The Broadway is a way of deception. It's a way where man thinks that he has the world by the tail on a downhill pole, but it's actually a trap. The Bible speaks of being taken by, in a snare by the devil. It's like a mouse who's popped up out of his hole and he takes a big sniff. Cheese! And he runs as fast as he can to get the cheese. And the trap got him. The Broadway is a death trap. It's a way that gives you an illusion that you're in control. But in reality, the prince and the power of the air is in control. Ephesians says, according, it says that we walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince and the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. You're not in control. And you see, the saddest thing about the Broadway is that, that 
It's the journey that's the most important on the Broadway and not the destiny. It's how I travel on the Broadway and what I amass to myself and what the convictions that I develop and the way of life that I develop. And it's the journey, you know. I'm, I'm going to have fun on the Broadway and there's nothing wrong with having fun. But there is something wrong in not considering the destiny. The Broadway leads someplace. And the Bible says, and it is appointed unto men once to die, and after that, the judgment. Instead of, in fact, in fact the people traveling on the Broadway, they don't want to even think about the destiny. When you talk to your, when you go, if you don't believe this, just go to work and be around some people that are on the Broadway and say, uh, and say uh, where are you going to spend eternity? That'll clear out the lunchroom. People don't want to talk about that. They don't want to consider the Broadway. The, the, what they want to consider is the journey in the Broadway. What? toys I can gather in this journey, what experience I can have during the journey, what exploits I can do in the journey. And when Solomon wrote there in Ecclesiastes, he wasn't saying it wasn't was wrong to pursue knowledge and wrong to build things and wrong to pour your heart into things, but he was saying that, that that's not where life is at. What exploits can I do? But they don't think about, they don't think about where it ends. Look over in Proverbs 14 and 12, a very profound proverb in the 14th chapter, in the 12th verse. It says, There is a way which seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Man has this idea of a way that he should go on the broad way, what direction he should take, where he should travel, but they don't consider the end. And Proverbs reminds us that there's a way that seems right unto man. You know, I've just... I just made the best choices I could. I just did my own reasoning. I figured this out for myself. And, I, and, and it seemed to be the right way. But where does it end? I know that people, I know that we all want to live life and get the most out of life. And there's nothing wrong with that. But there's something wrong with it when you leave God out of it. And he's saying here, we need to consider the end. And so the Bible says that the broad way is the way that leadeth to destruction. It leads to destruction.
What does that mean? Well, first of all, you need to understand that destruction does not mean annihilation. But destruction has more of the context of, of uh, ruin. Jesus asked a very important question one time. He said, what is a profited a man? What, for what is, it, uh, what is a man profited if he gained the whole world and he loses his own soul? What shall he give in exchange for his soul? And so the illustration is that here's a man. I go out and I go up into 40-mile country and I find some gold up there that Brother Girth missed when he was up there. And there's a lot of it. And I'm making a lot of money. I make so much money that I can deal with Sarah Palin and get rid of Dunleavy and I buy all the Alaskan on it. I'm still making money. I'm following the way of Elon Musk. I move on down and I say, Yukon territory is pretty nice. So, so I, I buy property and I own all Yukon territory. And I look to the east and, you know, some of that's pretty good land too in British Columbia. And, and eventually I control all of Alaska. I control all of the lower 48. I move to South America. Their governments aren't very strong anyway, so I take them over. I go to Europe and, and uh, challenge Putin, and eventually I own the whole world. I own it all. And the question is, for what is the profit of man if he gained the whole world and he loses his own soul? The Broadway fails to think about the soul. I reminded when you come to the book of Re Revelation, it talks about that the dead, small and great, that is the lost, stand before the God at the great white throne judgment. And they got, they've been kind of in in the local local jail, and they've uh, they've waited trial. They went to hell after they died, but they waited there, waiting trial to see what their eternal destiny will be. And now they're brought before the, the out of the, before God and the throne, where things are going to be judged, and and uh, and they're they're facing life in the eternal penitentiary. And perhaps they still had some hope about and remembered the life before. But the Bible says when they come to the great white throne, which is separated someplace, and I don't know where it's at. But it said that heaven and earth fled away from that. And here I am standing at the great white throne hoping that somehow there'll be some mercy and somehow I'll be reprieved. And I look and, and all of creation, the great white throne, and it's going to melt with fervent heat. All of it's gone. And in my heart I say, I'm ruined. I am totally ruined. And that's what it means. Destruction, a total ruin. What of the straight gate and the narrow way that leads to life? 
first, first we can rejoice that the gates are open. It's open. That we can find a place of life. And that God in his mercy is drawing men to him. God in his mercy is pleading, come to this gate. Do business with me at this gate. Come that you might have, I come that they might have life, he said, and that they might have it more abundantly. God wants us to have life. Life much more, far greater than that could ever be found on the broad way. Secondly, the way to life is through the door, and we've talked about that, that Jesus Christ who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh to the Father but by me. Of whom the Bible says that he loved the world and gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And it's a restricted gate. It requires leaving some baggage uh, out of the way. And so this morning, let's imagine that I've been traveling, I've been traveling on the Broadway. I've been going here and there, and I've enjoyed this hunting trip over here, or this concert, or this relationship with these people, and I've moved on, and and I'm going around the Broadway, or maybe I've just settled in one place, and you know, I've just I've just lived to live, and, and I'm just doing my deal. And, 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 uh, and during my going astray or my wandering on the broad way, there's something in my heart that's saying, you're missing something. Is that all there is? Is that all there is to life? then let's just keep dancing. Let's bring out the booze and have a ball. And um, I hear the drawing of the Spirit of God. And, and I desire to have life. I want more than what I have now in the Broadway. And so it draws me. It draws me to that narrow opening and I've got all my experiences and all my beliefs and all my things that I've accomplished and and gathered unto myself in this pack and I come over to the broad way the narrow way with the strict straight gate and I'm going to go through I can't get in. There's a problem. And so we need to look into this a little bit. What's the problem? What's the problem that keeps me from getting into the way of life? And the first thing we dig out of the pack is we have this... um, this bill, 
the wages for deeds done. The different sinful behavior and disobedience and unsurrender. And the bottom line is death. And so I find that the narrow straight way, hey, listen, buddy, this is the way of life. You can't get in that door owing a wage. You owe a wage. You can't get in the way of life without your bills being paid. And what is required is death. Oh, okay. I understand. Well, I got, I, let, let me, let me, uh, let me try to get this figured out here for you. You know, I went to church every Sunday. I read my Bible. Right here, look at all the record of that. Oh, you're not impressed? No, it just looks like a dirty rag to me. Well, you know, I volunteered at the volunteer fire department. I took some groceries down to people that were in need. That's pretty good, huh? Oh, um, that looks like a miniature wife beater. And it looks pretty nasty. Well, what about... um, What about this? There was a missionary down the road there, and I actually gave him some money to do mission work over in Lebanon. Yeah? Well, let me tell you something. That doesn't cut it. Well, I've made my mom 55% of the time. Doesn't that count for anything? Doesn't cut it. Well, you know, I've been faithful all my life to my wife. I obey my mom even though I don't want to. Well, that's good. That's what you should have done. But that didn't cut it. Go over with me. I don't, want, I don't want you to hear my word, but go with me over to Isaiah chapter 64. Mm-hmm. Isaiah chapter 64 and verse 6. But we are all as an unclean thing And all our righteousnesses, the good things we do, are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf in the fall, and our iniquities, like the wind, blows us away, takes us away. On the broad way, your good deeds 
are not enough to get you into the way of life. For the wages of sin is death. But I felt I felt as though there's something else in this. You better dig a little deeper there, buddy. And you'll find the setting above your head. Now you listen to me. God is upset with sin. And God is upset with sin in your life. And John chapter 3 says, turn with me there. John chapter 3. And verse 36. John chapter 3 and verse 36, he said, He that believeth on the Son, not in the Son, but he that believeth on the Son, I'm trusting him. I'm putting my life on him. I'm depending upon him. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, that he's in the way, because he's believed on the Son. But he that believeth not the Son, shall not see the way of life. But the wrath of God abideth on him. The only reason that God, if this, if this was dropped from ten foot on my head, I'm a dead man. God's wrath is abiding over you, and the only reason that he hasn't dropped it upon our lives when we're in the broad way because of our sin is that <laughs> His mercy reaches to the heavens. But that's going to come to an end. And when I take that over there, he said, listen, you're going to have to, before you enter into the way of life, you're going to have to deal with God's wrath. We want to talk about salvation as being a better life and it's enjoyable and God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. No, we must be saved from the wrath of God. Something has to take place there before we enter into that narrow, restricted way. The wrath of God must be dealt with. And so, we're going to have to do business with God. The only thing that satisfied the wrath of God was the blood of Jesus Christ. The only thing that can remove your sins as far as the east is from the west is the blood of Jesus Christ. And note what it says back there in Matthew chapter 7. In Matthew chapter 7, the very first words of verse 13, Enter ye in at the straight gate. It's a command. He said, you here that are in the broad way and you're just bebopping around, you're just living life and you're trying to get the most enjoyment out of life you can and you're doing things your way. You're singing Frank Sinatra's song, I did it my way. He calls out to you today, enter ye in. Quit, quit wandering in the wide broad way. Come and enter it. 
to life. Come and have life. Come believe in me. Repent of your sins and trust in me. He that hath the Son hath life. And he hath not the Son hath not life, but the wrath of God abides upon him. I don't want to be dramatic, but I want to be truthful. If you're not saved here this morning, God's wrath is over you. Just like the prodigal son down there in that pig pen said, I'm going to rise and go to my father. You need today in your heart, arise and go to God. You need to bow your head and do business with God. You need to understand that all this good stuff that you do is nothing but a bunch of rags. In God's sight. Yeah, you could do man could appreciate that. And God's not against feeding poor people, but it makes no merit with him concerning salvation because we see you see, we see all this stuff here as good things, but we don't see how terrible our sin is. And our sin is so terrible that God's wrath is ready to fall. You need to sing in your heart, just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. O Lamb of God, I come, I come. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. But what are the narrow way? What are the strict gain and the narrow way? As we said, it's entered through Christ as the door. <laughs> it's to have a personal relationship with God. The thief cometh but to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. And he that hath the Son hath life, and he hath not the Son of God hath not life. You see, as I travel the Broadway, friends come and go. Some friends that I had in the Broadway, later on in the Broadway, they weren't my friends. They come and go. But when Jesus saved me, and I went into the narrow way, I had a friend that stuck closer to me than my own brother. friend that never leaves me. No matter how bad I've been, and never forsakes me. What a friend we have in Jesus. A friend, not for a moment, 
before eternity. A friend that not only befriends me, but he brought me into his family. And not just as someone tolerated, you know, some kind of adopted wanderer, but brought me into his family and said, listen, all that I own, all that I have, all that will be, you're going to be an heir and a joint heir with me. You're not giving up anything and leaving the Broadway, but you're gaining everything by entering into the narrow way. Hallelujah. What a Savior. In the Broadway, I have friends when I'm having trouble, and I don't want to go talk to them, and some say, listen, I got my own problems. I don't want to listen to that. Or they'll say, who do you think I am? You think I'm God or something? But you know what? When I enter the narrow way, I have a friend who is God. And nothing was too big for him. Listen, when I left all this and I entered that, I gained it all. I gained it all. A number of years ago, I heard of a man working in some remote site here in Alaska. They had a camp there, and he was trying to witness to one of the men he'd befriended on the site. And one day, as he passed by his friend, he asked him, where are you going? And he said something like, well, I'm going to go over to the cookhouse. And, and he replied, no, no, no. Where are you going when you die? It makes a difference. Because the Broadway ends in total ruin. Let me ask you, what road you walking on? And have you considered its destiny? Let me encourage you to get to the narrow, straight gate and the narrow way. What do you have to do? But let me tell you something. You're not going in if this is on your back. You're going to have to leave it all at the entrance and say, just as I am, without one plea, but that your blood was shed for me, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. As we close this morning in a song, possibly the song, Just As I Am, I'm asking you who know and you've heard and you've sensed the drawing of God 
in your life. I'm asking you to get rid of that self-righteousness and those dirty rags. To square your debts with God and trusting the blood of Christ. And let the prodigal to rise and go to the Father. I'm not calling you as we sing the song to come forward unless you want to go someplace else and talk about this more. I'm talking about you right there where you sit. Determine, I've had it with this way. I've had it with living underneath the conviction of my sin. I've had it with being constantly running from the voice that's within my heart saying, come unto me all you weak and heavy laden and I'll give you rest. I've done with that. And I'm going to go to the narrow way as fast as I can go. And I'm going to throw myself upon the Lord. And if you would do that, then I would encourage you to tell us if thou wilt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thy heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Listen, there's something wrong when a person says that he's been saved and he doesn't want to share it. And so I encourage you to come and share it. But let me give you my experience. When I was 13 years old, sitting in church service, like many of you that are from families in the church, you've come constantly. And from about 9 to 13, the Spirit of God really hammered me at the close of services like this. Come to the narrow way. And I'd run as fast as I could to get back to my playground, to get back to what I do when I do it. To get back to life on the Broadway where I'm just bebopping along and enjoying life. Except there's always a gnawing and a restlessness and no peace. And I try to fill that with more activity. Well, that morning the Word of God was preached there in the spring of 1963. I felt as though if God would come or I would die today... I knew this, that I deserved hell, and that's where I was going. And when the invitation was given, I simply was standing there on the end of the pew, and I simply stepped into the aisle. And when I stepped into the aisle, I stepped into the narrow way. And when I went forward, all I did was thank God for saving me. Forget about all this activity business of coming forward. Do business with God where you're at. And when you have, you'll want to share it. But I'm telling you today, there's no guarantee of any time limit of life on the Broadway. Today is the day of salvation, and now is the acceptable time.
And when we sing this song, just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, won't you enter into that with your heart? Or maybe you just don't need to sing at all. And you need to just bow your head. You, you many of you know enough. Uh, this, I don't know how I could make this any more plain today than what I've made it. There's only two ways. And there's only two destinies. And there's only one way to heaven. But what, where it lies is at your will. God wants you to be saved. He, he proved that by sending his son. Those who, those who are here today that know the true way of life, we want you to be saved. But I can't twist your arm. It's a matter of your will. Will you today simply say, Lord, I want the narrow way of life. I want a relationship with you. I know I cannot do it myself. Lord, save me. Lord, save me. It's that simple. It's just that simple. But your will has to be your will and not my will. Let's pray. Father, as we come to you today, we thank you for the power of the word of God. I thank you that there's been a soberness that's come over this audience today. Lord, I pray for those that have never professed you. Lord, I, I pray to you my heart's desire is that Lord, thank you that you honor your word. Thank you that the door to the narrow way has always been open and will be open until you call us home. May you work your work today. May souls be saved here today. In Jesus' name.